0: Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode forty-one of Hack to Start. This episode features Nadav Wilf, the VP of Possibility at Hero X.
1: Nadav is one of the founding executives of HeroX, the leading crowdsourced innovation platform, a spin-off of XPRIZE.org, which was founded by Peter Diamandis. So let's get to it.
0: Thanks for being on the show today. My pleasure.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So we always like to start the uh, show off by getting to know more about our guests. So can you tell me, you know, where you're from, what did you study, and how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was born in Israel, and I'm not sure if you know, but Israel actually has the most um, entrepreneurs and startups per capita yeah, out of any awesome. country in the world. Yeah. So I think that was, that was a good start for me. I grew up in San Diego. And uh, from a young age, I was, I was an entrepreneur, so my, my first entrepreneurial stint was as a Cub Scout selling peanuts <laughs> and uh, going door to door. And I, I stayed out so late that the, the neighborhood went on a search party for me. And um, that's how I started out. And then I went to uh, UCLA, and I, I went in as a chemical engineer and left as uh, a psychology major because that was... <laughs> What I felt like was scientific enough, but, but kind of the easiest major to, to get out of school. Yeah, yeah. And uh, from there, I started my first business. It was a candle store in uh, at the Beverly Center, and I started with one of my, my clients because I'd been wholesaling candles, and that was my first entrepreneurial stint. I, I lost my life savings of15,000 dollars and worked 80 hours a week and it was it's my first uh, real experience as an entrepreneur.
0: It's crazy, but I'm sure some some major lessons had been learned along the way.
2: Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. So yeah, we'll get into it a little bit more, and especially talk about your current project, Hero X. But I mean, over your career as as an entrepreneur, you've built several kind of marketplace type companies. Can you give us a quick overview of of what it's like? You know, both the challenges and the benefits of building you know marketplaces.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, my first companies were, were advertising companies, so it's a little bit easier. Uh, the past two companies have been marketplaces, and it's if you want to go the challenging route and uh, really give yourself a hard time, then then a marketplace is a great <laughs> is a great way to go um, if you don't want to do it the easy way. But it's also very rewarding because you're able to both work with you know, supply and demand side of the business. And so the the last company I started was called um, Enlightened.org, and it was a marketplace where it started out where we were uh, selling products, selling fashion products and taking a percentage of the affiliate uh, fee and putting that towards uh, non-profits of people's choosing. So it it was, you know, Something that I did, I think, to to repent maybe for all the bad things I did in my twenties. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a real challenge because you have to you have to get the traffic, you have to get people there. And, and as you're doing that, you know, you're figuring out that what you've built is not actually what they want. Mm-hmm. And so one of the lessons I learned was really, and this is not, you know, I guess I could say I learned it the hard way. But but there's a lot of books, and you know, like the Lean Startup and um, the owners startup. Uh, Owner's manual, and um, I just learned like what's the easiest way to do it uh, before you invest hundreds of thousands of dollars. And and what I would just say is, you know, build build landing pages. You know, um, build landing pages, get traffic to those landing pages, and and the challenge I would say is really coming up with with that really simple, easy way to do it versus going for some big vision where you're going to need to you know build for a really long time or. Um, you know, raise a lot of money. It, it's by the time you get there, most of the time you're wrong, mm-hmm. and you, you really wish you had that money back. So that's one of the that's one of the important aspects. And and I think you know, customer development, right? It's it's always it's always important to to continuously learn from your customers.
0: Yeah. So, do you have any tips for balancing out both the supply and demand side as you're trying to to scale? Because I mean, as building a marketplace, you need both things there. Otherwise, you know, one side gets gets discouraged. Um, so, how do you assure that there's enough supply and enough demand? Yeah, that's
2: a great question. And and I don't know if there's any, um, you know, yellow brick road to making it happen. Because if, if if there were, I think everyone could do it. Mm-hmm. But I can I can talk about specifically with HeroX. Um, you know, I'm responsible for. Uh, bringing in the challenge creators and we we eventually want to get to a point where anyone can create a challenge and and crowdfunding is probably a part of that but and and an important piece of that but what we've and and we initially tried it unsuccessfully and so what we found is that um, getting to the source right the most qualified type of um, of buyers Mm -hmm. and so what we're looking for right now is executives of nonprofits, executives of Um, corporations entrepreneurs that have money that are the decision maker and want to launch a challenge right so pretty simple right pretty pretty stupid Um, but that's really important to focus on those people because those are the people that in phase one of our business which is kind of what you know what we call it a very creative name we've given it uh, that's what's going to fuel the business and so I really look at it as a funnel not necessarily trying to do um, supply side and demand side at the same time, but really getting these these people that are are ready to launch challenges, mm-hmm. getting them in and 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 building the audience around their challenges, and and that's something that we've started to do really well. Where it's like every time a challenge comes through, um, or or incentive prize or incentive competition, there's a few different names to call them, but we actually go out and and, and do outreach to thousands of people that would want to be involved or, or, or may want to solve this problem. And that really helps, um, bridge either, either side. Now, as you do that enough times and, and you, you know, you're doing it in a way that is, um, sustainable, right? Cause if you're just spending tons of money to get the audience, but you know, the challenge creators aren't there, then you have a problem. If you're, um, you know, not, if you're attracting the challenge creators, but not getting enough money for, for marketing their challenges, and you also have a problem. And I think it's really, um, getting that assembly line where uh, the challenges are there and then and then the audience who's interested is naturally going to be attracted to it. And I think I think that's really important is not trying to build it up into your grand vision all at once, but actually going step by step.
1: So you've already mentioned it a bit, but you're currently the VP of possibility at Hero X. So can you tell us more about it and how it relates to the X Prize?
2: yeah great question. So um, first off, uh, the idea actually came from it's been around for a while, like the the British crown um, had you know initially did incentive prizes, and so and, and Napoleon and, and people like that. So Herox is is uh, an incentive prize platform where uh, anyone can post a problem that they have or a vision that they have. Create a prize, and those prizes can be as small as a thousand dollars. they're as large as you know a couple of million dollars. And anyone in the world can come and solve that problem, and whoever solves it um, wins the prize. And so, for HeroX is actually a off of the X Prize Foundation. And uh, the X Prize Foundation originally was started by Peter Diamandis, um, one of my mentors, good friends, partners, just an all around amazing guy. And he wanted to go to space, mm-hmm. and he, at the grand height of five foot six, he could not become an astronaut. So uh, NASA would not, you know, allow it. And, and he decided that, you know, not to get discouraged about that. Learned about a prize that was done um, by Raymond a twenty-five thousand dollar prize for the first person that could uh, cross the Atlantic in one flight, either from Paris to New York or New York to Paris. And it was really interesting. And that was in nineteen nineteen. Uh, Raymond Ortigue, legend has it, lived in Paris, had a girlfriend in New York, and wanted to go see her faster rather than taking a boat. And uh, he did a $25,000 prize. And what was really interesting to Peter about that was that um, the teams in aggregate spent $400,000 to win a $25,000 prize. And, and the winner uh, was Charles Lindbergh, which, which many of you may know. is the spirit of St. Saint, Saint Louis. That's mm-hmm. what his plane was called. And he was, he'd only been a pilot for two years. So you have this situation where uh, there's an incumbent industry, in this case is, is uh, the aviation industry, and the breakthrough, which is a massive breakthrough, a massively exponential breakthrough, where travel goes from many, many you know, days or weeks to 33 hours, and now it's you know, five or six hours to cross the Atlantic. And it was won by a novice, so It was really interesting. So he decided to do a $10 million prize uh, around uh, space travel and a privately funded team going into space, uh, 100 kilometers into suborbital space with uh, three people in the ship, and do it again in two weeks, so it was repeatable. And he decided to take the prize route, and um, that launched in 1994, and uh, in 2004, history was made, and uh, the spaceship one took off, landed, did it again in two weeks, and then Richard Branson bought the team for $250 million. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting about it was that it was a $10 million prize, 26 teams spent $100 million in aggregate, and uh, the winning team, Paul Allen, invested $27 million in that team. So you can see kind of the exponentiality of, of prizes and the leverage you get there. So that became um, – it, it took Peter so long to raise the money that uh, there was an X in front of the prize for, for the name of the sponsor. But it took him so long that um, then when the Ansari family donated the $10 million, it, it was called the Ansari X Prize. And an X Prize was created – and started doing prizes with, with um, you know progressive auto insurance and thirty million dollar prize with Google to, to get to the moon and Qualcomm and all these amazing prizes. But what happened was entrepreneurs and nonprofits and uh, different corporations were coming to X Prize and wanting to do a prize and it just wasn't possible. X Prize is set up to do you know two to four grand challenges uh, a year and they had to say no and turn people away. So Peter says, you know, if you uh, don't disrupt yourself, someone else will. And he decided to, to start HeroX. And uh, Emily Fowler, who's, who's uh, co-founder, was there in the beginning and kind of took on the project. And then Christian Cattaccini, um, who's the CEO and, and, and kind of one of the lead investors, uh, and serial entrepreneur as well came in and 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 gave us some funding and then I joined um, as a partner about a year ago and uh, never looked back it 's been 's been incredible and I can you know give you a lot of reasons why <laughs>
0: that 's awesome, yeah, and you guys have been in, actually in the press uh, quite a bit over the past uh, week and a bit um so so what 's all that about
2: well, uh, we did our official launch to the public, so you know saying that here here we are, and we exist and uh and so that was great. And also announced formally our partnership with the XPRIZE Foundation. Um, the fact that we are are part of XPRIZE and, and are able to leverage their you know methodology and resources uh, in, in challenge design and, and, and challenge operations is, is really huge. But um, you know the, the the main thing was we wanted to promote our amazing challenge creators and if you go to HeroX.com and click explore you can see um, you know, high school heroes, Eli Walks is uh, there to increase uh, rate of graduation for, for high school kids. And this, You know, he's, he's, he's a high schooler, he's an amazing guy, um, blew me away, you know, compared to where I was in high school. And I think actually today, I think he's, he's blown me away today. Um, we have a prize that's a million dollars around smart gun technology, which was a, a response to the Sandy Hook shootings and, and the lack of muscle behind legislation. Um, we have lots of great prizes, and so um, the press push was really to promote those and, and get people hearing about them, and uh, one, one in Canada actually is by MNP around uh, innovative ways to increase Aboriginal health, and um, that's a $35,000 prize for ideas, so if anybody has any ideas, you can go to that prize and, and submit, and, and maybe you'll win, and, and t- they could take us out to dinner. What do you say, Franco?
0: Yeah, that sounds great, for sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely provide a link to the site and, and some of the major campaigns that you just mentioned uh, now. But uh, so, so you know, how many campaigns do you guys plan on on launching? Is it, uh, is it kind of like a, a Kickstarter type of platform where anyone can come along and just launch their campaign right away? Or do you guys do a certain type of uh, curation? Yeah, that's a
2: great question. So we, you know, we, we want people to, to go ahead and launch their prizes and, and, and they're welcome to and it's all set up to do. Um, we do curate right you can't do a prize around you know poisoning the water or something <laughs> yeah. like that um, but we you know I would say less especially right now it's less curation and more support right and, and honing in and, and making sure that the right questions are asked because what's interesting is that um, you know the majority of the population the majority of companies have never done an incentive prize people don't reach for the incentive prize tool mm-hmm. when they have a problem that they can't solve and um, that's something that we're very committed to changing and shifting for people to know that you know you can go out and, and have this incredibly leveraged tool to uh, to to make a difference in your organization, make a difference in the world, and and attract other people that are excited. So so yeah, it's it's just like that. It, it, it's you know Kickstarter um, for incentive prizes, uh, and anyone can go and create one, and, and the technology is there to to build it out and, and and make it successful and then and then the beautiful thing about it is you only pay if the solution's found otherwise you're not you're not paying um, the prize amount
1: mm-hmm. so what can we expect from hero x in 2015 and what are some of the plans that you have in place that will help grow it um you
2: know we, we we've we had some challenging times um in the past year or two i think like any startup would have and so um, we've really worked out a lot of the kinks, and um, our focus is is to keep you know putting one foot in front of the other uh, we've launched or you know kind of signed up and, and, and launched or, or getting ready to launch um, ten challenges in the past two months, and we're just focused on being consistent there and, and, and bringing on great challenge creators uh, like some of the ones that I described. Mm-hmm. And, and scaling it, and then um, we, we've done a great job uh, with with uh, you know Christian initially brought in uh, Sean Frankson, who's just a, a wizard around uh, marketing and growth hacking, and we have now uh, about six hundred thousand um, Facebook and, and likes and and, and uh, Twitter followers combined. So we're really focused on scaling that and building our community of um, of misfits and heroes and crazy dreamers. And that's that's a key a uh, key initiative for us, and and really just consistently launching great challenges. You know, I, l- I love sports analogies, and it's really just you know get out there um, every game and 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 work the fundamentals. And I think that's where we've really excelled lately is is going from this vision that we consistently talk about to doing the work on a day-to-day basis to hone in on the fundamentals uh, from, from a sales perspective from a marketing perspective from an account management perspective that are key to be successful you know outside of, of just simply talking about how, how great it's going to be one day um, and I think I think I'm you know, just really proud of the team for doing that but our vision is to to really change the way people solve problems and, and make it where you can utilize the crowd to solve your problems and, and, and award people for that. And I think there's also some, some different models to experiment with around that in regards to um, sharing the prize amount based on the pieces that people contribute, like how many hours they contribute and, and, and what type of milestones they've helped hit
0: yeah that's pretty interesting so are you guys adding any kind of new technologies to that mix and and some of those restrictions like that uh almost like an equity split that you were just talking about so uh or do you guys let teams just kind of go out and innovate on the on on their own
2: yeah so the way that it works is is a you know a challenge creator um once their challenge is designed and, and launched um there's there's four kind of aspects of the ip one is that uh the, challenge, the, the innovators get to keep the IP um, and, and and use it, and that's often the way that a nonprofit does it. So for example, right now there's a, a clinical trials uh, prize around taking the percentage of cancer patients that use clinical trials from three from to six percent because 20% of clinical trials don't come to conclusion simply because there's not enough people there, and there's multiple reasons because of that. So that type of prize is actually uh, where the, the nonprofit just simply wants a solution to come into the world mm-hmm. and, and to decrease the, the, the mortality rate from cancer and the innovators is going to keep the prize, uh, sorry, keep the prize amount and, and, and keep their technology and go out and, and commercialize it. The other one is is uh, one of our entrepreneurs, uh, amazing entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, Glenn, uh, Gwen Leiter. She wants to, she sold multiple companies and, and she's a crazy ass enough to want to be able to leave her house and jump in in some sort of individual lift device and get in it and fly and fly to work. And, and she wants everyone to be able to do that, you know, fly the grocery store, whatever it is. So she's doing a prize where, um, it's called the go fly up prize where the, the um, you know, the teams are able to keep the IP, but, uh, she also has a, uh, royalty-free um, license to the IP. And it's a really interesting way to start a company and a really leveraged way to start a company rather than just... And, and Peter did the same thing, right? And rather than trying to build a spaceship, he, he did a prize. Um, so that's another way that, that the IP is is split. Um, there's there's option where the uh, challenge creator will... Uh, ha- has a right to, to, to acquire any IP and that's great for corporations um, because they can you know, buy any of the teams and, and integrate them and, and choose the one that they like the most. And then um, in, in open where it, where it becomes open source. So right now uh, XPrize is doing a $15 million prize around the team that can create uh, software on, on an Android tablet that can teach a child, Uh, Up to uh, educational standards, current educational standards in reading, writing, math, and coding, uh, without having a teacher. And so that one is actually a prize where it's it's open source and it's really looking to disrupt education and make it so any child in the world has access to um, education as long as they have a tablet. And the tablets, as we know, are you know the prices are going lower and lower. So uh, that's it's it's really incredible. Um, so, there's lots of different ways for innovators to, to interact.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, I'm going to hop back a little bit. Earlier, you mentioned that you know you had started some uh, advertising companies initially and they were pretty, you know, a little bit more simple than the marketplace companies to build. Um, so, you actually founded and sold Matrix MT and Discover SD. So, what were these uh, startups and how did you scale them to the point that they made an interesting acquisition target?
2: Yeah. That, that's. Um, yeah let's let's take a little stroll down memory lane there so <laughs> Matrix MT is a search engine optimization firm, and uh, my one of my best friends, Jeff Smith, who currently owns uh, Rehabs.com, com uh, he's one of the best search engine optimizers in the world and this was you know when it was competitive, but the majority of people had no idea what they were doing um, but and it was also a little bit easier um, but we just you know we were i was twenty two I was uh working 60 hours a week at a car dealership, I was across the street from our office and then you know, another 20 to 40 hours a week uh, at our company for, for a year, um, you know, unpaid of course. And then I switched over and, and, and really the, we, we made a lot of mistakes, um, we, so I can tell you about some of the mistakes and finally when we got through them it helped us scale. Uh, but but some of those mistakes were really trying to do too many services at once. That's something I that really is, is is incredibly tempting and, and sometimes necessary um, for a startup to to for cash flow purposes. But we were doing web design and oh, you, know, you want viral marketing? Great. You want content? Great. You want us to do uh, your search engine optimization, link building? Fantastic. Um, Pay per click advertising? Sure, we do that. Right, like all out of mm-hmm. with with an office of of you know eight people. And, and once we started honing in more and more and more and more of our, we, we knew that our, our strength was in link building and premium link building. And once we started getting more and more link building customers, it, it was not only our, our, our best product that performed the best, it was also our highest margin product. So that's something that, that helped us scale once we started getting focused on and, and being able to uh, do less. And, and, you know, if you look at all the great companies you know, especially when they're kind of in their in their big growth phase. I mean, there there's usually one simple product that they're focused on. Um, so that one was was uh you know that's how we scaled that one. Um, and 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 you know not just products, but we also to that same note, we were had multiple companies. We kind of had entrepreneurial ADD. We could SEO um the crap out of any website and so we had tons of different websites from like talk prom dresses to rank my tattoos we would look for opportunities where um it wasn't there was a lot of traffic but it wasn't so competitive from a search engine optimization standpoint and in 2008 when the crash happened it we were 400k in debt uh 26 years old and you know i remember distinctly i was there in a board meeting and and the board was uh saying, you know, you know, we have to keep going with, with Discover SD because it was kind of a baby startup at the time uh, under our company and we need we had reputation management and all these different things we were doing. And, and Jeff and I sat down and we said, look, link building is where we're the best. Let's focus there. Um, and within a year, we, we actually positioned it uh, to big brands saying, you know, you're spending so much money on, on print and, and." Uh, Television and radio and and all these things that don't produce any ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were tracking all the metrics. We were using tracking phone numbers. Uh, we were really able to to track cost per acquisition, and we were able to pull dollars away from other advertising. So, so we really leveraged the downturn um, for our benefit, and and it was really really great. And 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 so what we what we ended up doing was was turning it around, growing the company by a million dollars and and ended up selling it and what was really interesting was that we were just in the beginning trying to sell the company for 400 grand because we were like that's what we owed and um we just wanted to walk away clean right we were 26 we're like it's okay if i don't have any money after this but i don't want to be you know this much in debt and um we 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 Reached out to all the big companies. We sent them letters and you know to the CEOs and trying to sell, and none of it worked. We couldn't get a deal done. And I was in my office like grinding away at, at 11 at night. And, and on LinkedIn, um, it popped up. Said you should connect with this person. Is Andreas Royal, Awesome guy who, who's you know also a mentor to me uh, from Gear Interactive, which was the largest agency in San Diego at that time. And I, I, I took LinkedIn as his vice. I, I, I messaged him. He connected me with the COO. I went in like a, like a business call, uh, sales call, said, I, I want to you know, do link building for you guys. Oh, and by the way, you should buy my company. And uh, five months later, uh, the company was sold to them. And what was interesting was, was as we were doing the deal, our, our, our valuation was rising because we had kind of hit that stride. So it helped us actually uh, increase the, the amount we sold it for
0: pretty awesome that's interesting that it all came from a, a linkedin uh, invite request exactly that's cool. exactly
2: i know i know that's it's kind of the universe is going hey buddy yeah. you look like you need a hand you're <laughs> You've, you've been working pretty hard and pretty late. There you go. So that's yeah, pretty for
0: fun. sure. So during that same time that you guys, you know, kind of grew Discover SD from basically zero to a million plus within within those eighteen months, you also acquired a whole bunch of users from like two thousand to about, or sorry, uh, you know, you just grew the views uh, from about two thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand monthly unique users uh, in, in the same time. How how did you guys grow? Is it just content or SEO or or uh, onboarding new, new customers? How did that all contribute to the, the great growth? Yeah, it was, a co-
2: it, was, it was a combination, right? So first off, I just, you know, I give, I give the majority of credit to, to Jeff, um, who was just awesome at, at search engine optimization and, you know, took our, we were able to continuously grow the site. So um, part of that was dynamic optimization and, and, and going across more categories. We initially started seven, ended up with 136. And that was from you know private jet rental to restaurants to you know dog groomers and and um, but but our core was was nightlife restaurants shopping spas and salons, um, and a few others, and so so that was you know that was a big part of it. The other part of it that, that I I really recommend um, to 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 business owners is find out a, find out a way to 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 create a product that when your customers buy it, it fuels your own growth. And I'll give you a couple examples of that. Uh, one is, you know, with, with when we were a publisher, we would, we would, sell, um, we would sell contests where we, we'd go and, you know, and, and, and send out emails and, you know, get traffic to those contest pages. And, and when that would happen, people would sign up for the contest. And then they would also sign up for our newsletters and things like that. Um, we also would sell advertorial, we had, we had about um, you know, a half and half uh, advertorial to, to um, normal editorial and uh, that was a huge revenue source for us right? because we were able to uh, sell that and, and con- continue to produce content and actually pay, pay our cost of goods and, and you know, pay for the, for, the, for the articles and the writing and stuff like that, so that was really great. Um and and those were the things that helped us scale. The, the other thing we did, and, and this is this is another you know, just thing that popped in my head, is we put lipstick on the pig, right? Our product was okay. It was like a, maybe a, a B minus to a B, but we redesigned it, made it look really nice. And even though the the, the code may not have been exceptional and, and you know it was it was kind of clunky, it looked really sexy. And that goes so far in business. So if you can you know, if you have a startup, and, and I highly recommend investing in good design. I, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't say expensive design. I said good design because mm-hmm. you can find it out there. And, and make it look professional. Make it look good. And, and that makes a big difference. It's a great way for us to be the cool kid um, in, in, in the world of, of publishing in San Diego. And we started getting all the best uh, advertisers, and, and that's what actually made the newspaper kind of start uh, getting really interested in us. And, and ultimately, purchase us.
1: You're also working on another startup called Enlightened.org. Can you tell us a bit about it and why you decided to start it?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that that one actually is is you know what I would right now consider a failed startup, um, which I just learned an incredible amount about. But but I love I love talking about it, um, and and I'd love to share about it. So what what happened for me was when I was about 29 or 30, I, I had. Um, you know, sold Matrix Media Technologies. I'd sold Discover SD. I was running entertainment for the newspaper, so I was. I had you know a team of forty people, and it was it was really fun. You know, I, I was I got to uh, run all all the you know multiple sections of, of the paper and digital and uh, online and, and mobile and events, and you know I just had got to really I got paid to have fun basically. And I had been having a lot of fun, and uh, one morning I woke up um, in my penthouse in, in downtown San Diego, and I was overlooking uh, the ocean, and it was like a 270-degree view, and I just realized I wasn't fulfilled. You know, I, I, was, I was happy. I just wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing, and you know, personally, and I think each person has their... has the... Um, Ability and, and kind of you know obligation to to find what's fulfilling to them, but but um, for me, I, I just realized I wasn't fulfilled. And um, at that same time, um, a friend of mine had introduced me to the Landmark Forum, which is a, a personal and professional development and leadership coaching um, organization in a group setting. Um, it's kind of like a you know modern take on Buddhism. And, and how to how to integrate it into your life and, and, and spirituality, but but in a really kind of um, non non-religious, non religious, non spirit, not non like spiritual in the in the kind of original sense of the word, uh, but really just methodologies. And so it just started showing me what was important to me and stripped away the things that um, I, I used to feel were very important, like you know I want to have a nice car and nice clothes and money and. And and you know, bottle service and all these types of things it started getting me to know what was important to me, and what was important to me was was contrib- being being a contribution to other people, and and I'd started looking for how I could do that uh, on the day to day. So at that point, I got that what was most important to me, and, and I highly recommend people do this for the, for their own life, because this is really what what's what's great is. When, when you realize this is is the five most important things to me um, are uh, my mental health, my physical health, my relationships in my life right so with my family my friends people I haven't met yet people I just met um, purpose living in my purpose and and, and having a purpose that, that's fulfilling and obviously making money so at that point that's what I decided that that, that was important to me and, and it, I call it a passion pivot uh, where I said, uh, you know, the rest of my life, I'm always going to be spending my days in these five areas. And so uh, Enlighten.org was one of those things where I said, well, how do I, how do I, if contribution is who I am and what I'm passionate about, how do I share that with other people? And this was a business that essentially um, integrated giving into shopping. And so originally built out up a store that didn't exactly work, and so we, we ended up creating um, an application that any any business could could put on their website, with, you know, really simply, and it would, you know, when you purchased something, it would show, you know, if a kind of like the, the one for one model, it you had multiple models. It could be a percentage of something uh, of, of your purchase. It could be, um, you know, a, a, a dollar amounts donated or some um, something is donated, like a meal. Mm-hmm. And it would show that and we actually saw that the conversion rate increase when we, when we did that by a bit. And then on the back end, once the purchase was made, it would, it would prompt them to share the, their purchase and, and, and obviously give some exposure to, to the business and what the business is doing. So that's what that company was about and, and you know, we, we raised uh, close to a million dollars and, and went through it, um, I would say you know, proudly. Because we were running the whole business out of my apartment, um, we were there day and night, we had interns coming through we had you know just we, we really went for it and uh, put everything we had into it and, and, and it didn't it ultimately did not work out, but I learned so much from it and, and, and came out of it with without the feeling of failure. Um, I came out of it with the feeling of, of kind of triumph and, and Focusing on what I care about even though I you know lost lost a lot of money. I'd lost my investors money unfortunately um, But I'd done something that I was really passionate about and proud of and, and, and was able you know to make a difference in the world and um, That's the story of that company. There's quite a lot of details there that I, that I didn't talk about But that's the, the overview.
1: Given your experience. What's your definition of success? I love that question. So so I'll give you a, a couple perspectives there. Firstly, um,
2: because you know the way I define success may maybe you know may resonate with people, but ultimately it doesn't matter because you know success is is, is a construct that um, is is created, right? So if, if you say success, people will define it in many different ways. <laughs> it's something that really messes with people's minds mm-hmm. um, with this feeling of you know needing to get somewhere and, and around money and and you know with with the media and and. That, that we all see kind of, you know, the cars and, and uh, the big house, you know, I mean, even if, you're, if you're a family person, if you're a, you know, a bachelor, if, you know, you want to be a, um, you know, dress in amazing clothes or, you know, whatever it is, it, it's like that's, those things define success. So, for, for me, really, success is, is defined as um, being present in the moment, um, being happy, doing the things that make me happy. Uh, of, of course, making money, you know, everybody loves making money. And, and I've, I've actually, you know, in the past few years, really shifted my relationship with money, um, where a lot more comes in and, and stays in and gets invested, than goes out. And, and I still feel like I have a, a multi-millionaire lifestyle without spending the millions. Um, and I think, and I think really being focused on what you, what you care about and, and your passion, right. And, and I think what 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 happens to us in certain circumstances is we we do this now right like we're, we're going to work hard no matter what right you're going to you're going to work hard and whether you're doing something that fulfills you or not um but we, we may do something that you know our, our our parents thought we should do or we thought we should do because we just want to make money and, and 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 we do that so we can one day spend time doing what we love and i think that um Doing what you love is, is success. And I think if you're not doing what you love, uh, you, I would recommend really considering and creating a, a pathway because everyone's smart enough to do this and and can can reach out to people and, and you feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, I, I know we'll share my contact information, but it, it's personally it's nadav at enlightened.org. I love helping people fulfill on their passion. Um, that's what I consider success and uh, it's 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 a beautiful thing, you know, when you're living in your passion. One of my the, the last thing I'll say about that is one of my mentors, uh his name's Yasuhiku, and he's a Buddhist priest and, and and he's he's an expert on passion. So he actually says that passion is not something that you have, it's actually who you are as a cosmic destiny. So when you're living in your passion, you have the energy to keep going. It's 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 easy to be happy. Um, you know, you're excited about what's going on. When you know otherwise you're you know you're motivated or determined or um you know doing something that's not in your passion and it's like kind of filling a bucket up with holes versus versus something that's
0: sound
1: Mm -hmm. that's awesome where do you see the biggest opportunities for entrepreneurs and are there any technologies or industries that really interest you right now
0: oh wow that's
2: a that's a great question um don't take my advice on this i wouldn't say that i'm (laughs) an expert on it um but i think that you know creating value for others, right, solving other people's problems, creating value, um, doing something that uh, that makes a difference for other people, I think is great. Um, I think there's, you know, the sharing economy, I think there's some great uh, companies out there. I'm, I'm involved in, in a company right now that is just starting out in stealth mode, but, it, but it's incredible um, within the sharing economy, and that's, that's really all I can say about it. Uh, but but I think I think that's great. I think uh, um, you know any type of exponential technologies like the type that you could learn about from um, Peter's uh, a 360com dot uh, conference, so the abundance three hundred and sixty conference, or or his his uh, his blog at uh, diamandis dot You can kind of sign up anywhere on on either of those sites. Uh, but but just. You know, in, in 3D printing and um, synthetic biology and um, robotics, uh, I think, you know, there, there's just tons of opportunity out there. And so if you start digging and, and seeing what, uh, what's out there in, in exponential technologies, I think there's, there's so much, you know, an in, in Internet of Things, right? And, and these are kind of new cutting edge areas where you can, you know, you can hop in, you know, either start your own company or jump in, in startups, right? Like the way I did with HeroX and, and, you know, get a piece of the pie and, and, uh, and, and and join something that you think is amazing. So, so I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. And um, the other thing I'll just say about that is, is the way to find opportunity is to jump in and and fail. And so, um, you know, rarely do, do you, do you, hit that opportunity on the first time and I think that's another thing where we live in a world now where you know you can create an app or you know test things out try things out you know really simply mm-hmm. uh, and and, are, and and without a lot of risk um, you know besides time and, and maybe a little bit of money so I think I think you know tying into what's what all these exponential technologies are and finding your passion and, and applying it in that area and opportunity but I mean like there's just so many cool ideas out there, like Periscope, you know that new yeah. um, I mean, gosh, those guys started from seeing an opportunity to help people where they were like I think they were in, they were in Istanbul and there were some protests, and they were like there's no there's no, live, there's no way to stream live video, right and so now there's, there's Periscope and meerkat. And, and But Periscope sold to Twitter, I think, for over $100 million or $70 million or just something cr- crazy in 11 months before he was even out. But it, they just saw this need um, and a way to change the world. And, and I just think it's incredible. So um, I think it's about keeping your eyes and ears open and being involved in what you care about and, and, and things will show up.
1: Do you have any books, apps, devices, or tools that you're currently obsessed with right now?
2: Yes yes um there's this uh there's this app called facebook that i like <laughs> and uh, one called twitter yeah. no but you know i i think it, it's been great uh christian Coccini who's the ceo of Herox. x just all about learning and, and just made you know brings that into our, our company um but the way that you know the way that we communicate is through slack i think slack is great because um at first, I was I was a little skeptical, but um, I think it's great because you have channels you can communicate in. Um, we use Basecamp, you know, really simple and 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 kind of uh, an app that anyone can use. Um, I think that uh, Rescue Time is a great app. It actually shows it's a it's a web app. It actually shows you kind of how much time you're spending um, doing. Stuff you shouldn't be doing, because <laughs> um, it, it actually monitors your, you, know, and, and it's really great. Um, I love Evernote. You know, Evernote is such a great place to, you know, with all my traveling. Like people be like, oh, you know, when you go to Guadalajara, do this. So I just, you know, have a note for Guadalajara, and I just kind of crowdsource stuff, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put something on Twitter or Facebook about Guadalajara and tag my assistant in it. Um, I think using a virtual assistant, like um, my friend Colin. In um, Marin's company, uh, Zirtual, uh, which is like virtual with a Z. Yes. It's an incredible company. And, and then if you want to go less expensive, uh, Task Bullet is another great one. So, um, you know, I think there's tons, tons of, of great ways to kind of life hack. But uh, one of the if, – if you're looking to improve your life with with technology, I think um, there's a book by um, Ari Mizel which is uh, less doing, more living. I highly recommend picking that one up. It's just a really uh, practical way to start kind of hacking things and, and giving yourself more time.
1: Lastly, are there any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think others should know about?
2: Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I do every morning is um, I, read, I read what I want. And, and I, I have a... Um, Kind of like a list for, from the book Think and Grow Rich, and um, one one of the you know it's a lot of affirmations, mm-hmm. and I'll and I'll share one. I'll sure. share one that I think um, I think are are great, uh, and one of them is is that I'm I'm a loving, masterful, and abundant leader, and and I actually created this out of a course called MITT uh, that I took in in Los Angeles, and what I did was was Put the words that I didn't feel I felt like I could grow to like didn't necessarily represent me like being loving is something I care about but but I didn't necessarily always always do it um, being masterful sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm a generalist Well, uh, I am a generalist that's why I feel that way it's actually who I am um, but being more masterful in something and in and uh, sales and, and you know, CRM management, something I've been focused on being masterful and being abundant, not having a scarcity mentality, actually feeling like there's abundance and there's enough for everyone and always be happy for other people and their success. And so I created that mantra and I, and I bring it into situations um, you know, before I go into some situation I might be fearful of. So I highly recommend you know, grabbing quotes from the internet and, and things that are, are dear to your soul and creating affirmations and reading them on a daily basis. They really make a difference.
0: That's awesome. That's some great advice. Thank that, you. That's that's everything uh, we've got. So thanks so much for taking the time to, to be on the show today, uh, Nadava. Uh, it was really great speaking with you. Thanks for
2: having me. I really appreciate it. And, and uh, I hope this helps people.
0: Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.